Welcome to episode 277 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. This show was recorded on Sunday, 11th of July, 2021. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast is brought to you by Jensen USA, where you'll always find a great selection of products at amazing prices with unparalleled customer service. For more information, just go to jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. Hey everybody, it's David from the Fredcast Cycling Podcast at www.thefredcast.com. I'm one of the hosts and producers of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast. For show notes, links, and all sorts of other information, please visit our website at www.the-spokesmen.com. And now, here are the Spokesmen. Hi there, I'm Carlton Reed, and welcome to today's episode of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast, brought to you in association with Jensen USA. Today's show is a smidgen of US bike trade news squeezed into an hour of Tour de France chit-chat. Joining me from the baking stroke reigning US, uh, delete as appropriate, are outdoor lawyer Jim Moss, and that's outdoor as in skiing, cycling, mountaineering, not Jim practicing law outside, and marketing specialist Donna Toshi. It's another Tour de France day in the boiling, boiling hot Pyrenees that the riders are in today, and we're going to talk about that uh, first off. And the person who suggested that, that we should talk about that, uh, is the person we're going to introduce first. And that's Donna. Hi there, Donna. Hi. It's so great to be back on with both of you. And the both of us is actually, I'll bring Jim in straight away. (laughs) You're giving away the fact there's somebody else in the show, Donna. Okay, Jim. How are you doing, Jim? I'm doing great. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Donna, I was going to talk to you first before I brought Jim in, but I'll come straight back to you anyway. Uh, Because we were talking before the, I I pressed record, and this is before we we, we got uh, to to have Jim on the, the, the same call. And we were talking about, uh, you know, as as people do, we, talk, we started talking about weather. And Donna, you were saying it was rainy for you. It's rainy for me also. And we were then thinking, well, what's what's uh, what's David suffering from? Well, we know what he's suffering from because he's told us he's gone up into the mountains to to escape the heat. We know absolutely that Tim, living in SoCal, is going to be roasting. And we assume, Jim, that you are also suffering from. A heat wave is that? Would that be right? Yes. Uh, how, about, how hot, Jim? How, how hot, Jim? Uh, Glenwood Springs uh, two days ago was a hundred and our Grand Junction was a hundred and six, breaking a record. We've had five one hundred degree days here in Denver, where normally we would have three or four for the whole summer, mm-hmm. um, and even the mountains are. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I was up in the mountains, well, I've been up in the mountains every Friday for the last eight weeks building mountain bike trails and it's even hot up there. Um, mm. it's, it's quite ridiculous. And, and more importantly, we're in this heat wave now in May, we got so much rain. Um, we didn't turn our sprinklers on and I have mosquito problems at two Boy Scout camps that I help. Uh, they've never had mosquitoes. I mean, they just have never had it, but they had so much rain in May. And now in June, we're roasting. Right. And so mm-hmm. we're expecting the place to then catch on fire. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, you've got that to come, haven't you? So, so Donna, tell us about what you're talking about and, and, and what maybe the Tour de France are going to have to, the organizers are going to have to do in the, in the very, probably the very, very near future. Well, it's always surprised me being an event organizer for road races, um, that road racing will- This is, this is running. Running. Donna. This is running. running. Yep. Running. That you try and have the events in the summer as early as possible because you don't want to have the heat exhaustion or heat stroke or anything like that. And it has always surprised me that the tour- doesn't start early. The stages don't start early. They start them in the heat of the day. They're they're talking about the heat even more so this year, I think. Mm. And you know, we won't go down the rabbit hole with climate change. But um, but you know, it's 
it's scary what could happen to some of these riders. Um, you know, their body temperatures can rise, they can have seizures, but they could just become dizzy, lightheaded, fall off their bikes, um, nausea, you know, all of that rapid breathing and heartbeats. All of that is symptoms of um, heat stroke or heat exhaustion. And you just, you worry about these guys after a while. They're on their bikes for four and a half hours a day mm. in the blazing sun, you know, putting max effort. Yes, they are amazing athletes and their bodies have been trained. But, you know, there comes a point when I'm surprised they haven't had a problem yet in the tour. Because when we do sportives and we, we follow the, the, the professional riders, including like in the, the, the Tour de France, the ETAP, you don't start at the time they start. You know, they're starting like midday, one o'clock. You know, when you do the uh, the ETAP, you're starting at seven o'clock for that very reason. So it's almost like we need a duty of care for these riders in that, you know, we're, we're putting them through stuff that clearly for TV schedules. You know that's why the the, the time is, is is there right now because it's it's really good for for getting on TV and if you have it at you know incredibly early it, it's going to start you know mucking up those kind of schedules. Jim, are we are we from a, a a legal you know duty of care point of view should they be looking at this much much harder? Well, it, in the United States, it'd be an OSHA issue whether or not your employees have the ability to get cool. I'm not mm. quite sure about Europe. Um, and, and, you know, you're a professional, so you agree to race in the conditions that are there. Um, cycling also has a slightly different issue. I cycle in really hot weather because I maintain a speed that provides, unless I've just got nothing but tailwind, some breeze coming at you. So when you sweat, you, you don't feel as hot because the moisture gets wicked away pretty quick. But you've got to have plenty of water. Um, and the, and, you know, in Denver, a lot of our city parks took out their water fountains over the last couple of years. And so oh. a lot of times I'll plan my rides based on where I can get more water. Um, mm. you know, I start out with a one water bottle that half the water's already been frozen in it. I add more ice and water and the other one, I just add ice and water. And then knowing that, you know, the second half of the ride is going to be lukewarm stuff I got out of a spigot someplace, but I at least know where there's water. And that's well, the pros the are getting enough, uh, Jim. The, the pros are getting enough water. You know, we see the domestiques, yeah. Yeah. you know, bringing, bringing the, the water's not an issue. You know, the, there's that duty of care. That we've got that covered. It's just the damn heat. Right. And if it kills somebody, and it will, um, it, think about how hot the asphalt is if you go down. Think about this, what tires you're riding if the asphalt gets sticky. Mm. You know, yeah. I mean, th those are going to be real issues coming out of the mountains. You're on a hard, cold asphalt going up in the mountains, and then you come down into the city, you drop 2,000 feet, temperature changes 20 degrees, and you're on hot asphalt. Um, mm. It's it's going to be interesting. So, yeah, it's going to be a problem. They're eventually going to have to switch um, uh, either to higher starting times or they're going to have to change the whole tour date. July is going to be, um, you know, the tour of Antarctica if you can swim. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, maybe they go to sometime in September, October. Uh, most of the races here nowadays have sort of disappeared. We have evening races, a lot of evening crits and gravel races. But weekends, you know, the big long rides um, are now all May and September. It'd be tough to move it from like the month because that's kind of traditional but th there's no reason to say you, you can't have this at 7 p.m you know that'd be actually from a u.s point of view that'd be quite good wouldn't it you'd actually have it on a, a slightly more reasonable time for you yeah but boy then you're then you're facing light issues yeah you know, i mean they they have to get done before it gets they have to get done an hour before it gets dark so you, you're probably not on a four or five hour day you're not going to be missing much time starting at two or three four hours later you're still mm. riding through the heat um that you know they'd have, they have to start at 7 a.m in the morning the, the road races start at 7 or 8 a.m yeah um, it's just no other way around it mm. yeah and your mm. body sometimes your body actually heats up when you stop so yes jim you're right when you're on the bike you have a breeze if you're going you know as fast as they go um, but when you stop is sometimes when it catches up to you. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I have not heard that they've had this problem before, but I would be interested to hear in the future what, what happens as they're talking about, you know, for the U.S., I did the conversion. It's like 86, 87 degrees mm. while they're riding. That's just really hot for four and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, it, 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 it's absolutely uh, punishing. Some riders clearly will, will will be able to cope with that better yeah. than others. Now, I've obviously, the, we, we've always seen the famous images of people, you know, with a bead on running. Uh, I mean, this is for like, you know, 60 years we've seen this. This is not new that it's been heat in the Alps and the Pyrenees and stuff. But you see um, a bead on being, being you know, sprayed across a, a rider to cool them down. But what I've seen in Portland, Oregon, which I notice is actually... Uh, one of the places had, had a, a, a heat wave uh, just very recently, probably even still now. I saw outside a bike shop when I was there a few years ago a hoop, uh, which is basically uh, that the riders, anybody can go th- through it. A rider goes through uh, a hoop that's actually made up of a hose pipe and they've drilled little holes. So when you go through, it, it's, a, it's a cooling um, uh, sheet of water. And that, that sounded like a, a fantastic thing to do individually outside this shop. But maybe they should be start doing this for the for the riders so where you're not getting somebody coming along with a bead on uh, down the back of your neck. Just cool the riders down by spraying them with water. You know, it, I was on a ride. I mean, just my ride on Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. And s- several of the sprinkler systems were going along the ride and I kept riding into them because they were shooting into the <laughs> to the you know bike trail, mm-hmm. and so you ride into them and you get cooled down a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's it's you just use what's available. You know, mm-hmm. they had a rainstorm, a quick rainstorm left water on the trail. And normally, you ride around the water, and we were all riding through it. You mm-hmm. know, I had to wash the bikes away later, but it cools you down. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a major problem here in the West. Um, mm. Just I mean, don't drink that stuff. You know, a lot, yeah. a lot of the, the a lot of the the, the systems, or certainly if it's agricultural uh, in spraying the fields, a lot of that is actually chemicals in there as well as water. Yeah, I know when I used to tour yeah. in in Israel, uh, that was absolutely one of the things you must not do is drink the hydroponics. You know, the the the, the system going through the fields that that are watering, making the desert bloom. In effect, yeah. you don't drink that stuff because it's half of it is just pure. Uh, pure uh, chemicals. Anyway, That's none of that was, was in our show notes to, to <laughs> or show topics to begin with. So, Donna, thank you ever so much for for, for bringing that. That's a, it's a it's a phenomenal point. They've, they're going to have to address that, if not very very soon. Then at some point, they're going to have to absolutely uh, change the timings for for these events because of the heat. Now we are now you know best part of uh, two weeks in to the race, and we are going to go backwards a little bit. Um, and that is, do you agree that uh, it's good that the tour is no longer, the organisers are no longer going to be suing that spectator who caused the crash, Tony Martin's crash, in uh, on the opening stage? Donna, do you think they that's right for them to do that or should they have pursued that person? Oh, I have a lot of thoughts about this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about legal. Jim can talk about that. But, you know... Suing her for for just being stupid um, (laughs) is, and I hate that word, but this really was, um, she wasn't malicious. She didn't have any intent. She was just being stupid. Um, I'm shocked that this doesn't happen every year because Mm. you see, and we've talked about this before in years past is, and there is no way to barrier off the entire course for the day but the people are standing so close they have flags they have signs and when you go into the mountains they are literally screaming in the faces of these Mm. guys and flying their flags in their faces i am shocked that this doesn't happen every year um it was terrible and all of that but there was no intent there was no maliciousness I, i don't see how you could sue but Jim can answer that. Well, Jim, the legal legal eagle of the show. What, what, uh, where do you stand on this? 
Well, it's French law, so it's very different from the U.S. law. I had those questions pop up when I posted the article. Um, so uh, whether or not we could sue her in the United States, it'd probably be difficult. Um, but in in France, a lawsuit's a lot easier or a lot more difficult to do, but she did get arrested criminally. Um, and that's probably what should happen. The, the issue is, is, is do you make an example of her to prove to the rest of the spectators to get the heck off the roads? Mm-hmm. Um, what was it? Two, three years ago when the motorcycle stopped and, uh, you know, the riders ran into the back of the motorcycle and one rider grabbed a bike and took off running, you know, mm-hmm. um, we've got to get the spectators off the road. And if, if, and yet at the one, at the same time, it's one of the fantastic parts of being at a bicycle race. I know. Getting so close. Mm-hmm. Um, think about the guy who always has the helmet on CSU helmet with antlers and he shows up at races across <laughs> the world, although I haven't seen him at this race. Um, and he comes running out of the woods someplace and runs along with the, with the riders. Now, he's smart enough he stays out of the way. But at some mm-hmm. other races, I mean, when you're close enough, you can knock the cell phone of the person taking the selfie out of their hands onto the ground. Then we've got to get some intelligence into these people. And if making a martyr or making an example out of this woman is what it takes, then go for it. Do whatever you have to do. Because at the speed some of these riders are riding, even though it may be uphill, it's still dangerous. Uh, I mean, we can see that in, in the in the video. Um, I think the real issue is is should they sue or would be based on how long this lasts. You know, if it, if the rest of the tour people are staying off the course, uh, then it worked. If it works for the next year and people stay off the course, uh, that's a success. But but. I think that you need to t- tell these people they have to get out of the way. Yeah. Um, you know, when I've, when I've had a media badge, there was one time I got too close and the motorcycle driver gave me the nasty look, you know, cause he actually had to slow down for a second while I jumped. Um, and you know, that's looking through a camera lens and not doing a good job of calculating through the lens when people and where people were. Um, it didn't cause a problem for the race. It caused a problem for the motorcycle rider and it was his job. Um, but you know, even the media people screw up once in a while, but we got to keep people off the course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Get close, enjoy the riders, you know, see the sweat. Uh, You know, the whole time what's been bothering me is what if one of these people have COVID, uh, these riders are sucking in massive amounts of air. And if we're, you know, someone's screaming in their face, yeah. you know, you're getting the, you're getting whatever disease they have, mm. you know, um, you know, you sort of want to ride with a mask, except you wouldn't be able to just suck in enough oxygen, I suspect. Yeah. So, right. Or, or, sorry, Jim, um, if, you know, if there's someone who is trying to do harm to the, to the mm. riders or the race, I mean, oh, yeah. and, and again, you can't. You can't barricade the whole road. So, yeah. I mean, this is going to continue to be an issue, but, but Jim, you're right. I mean, they're, they're just, it, it's a balance between wanting to be that close and rider safety. Mm. And I think mm. the picture shows a lot. There's a difference in my opinion of getting close to the racers, watching the racers, getting, encouraging them to go harder, faster, better supporting your country, your team, whatever. This had nothing to do with that. She just wanted to be on TV. Mm. <clears throat> and I, I mean, well, you know, Jim, she got TV. She got all around the world. Yeah, she, did. <laughs> she succeeded. She did a good job. She succeeded. Um, yeah. you know, Her so, grandmother. Yeah. Yep. Well done, grandmother. So mm. I think in that case, yeah, maybe you, you do take her down because it had nothing to do with racing. It had to do with ego. Okay. So, uh, Jim, you'd be an awful judge because you'd be sending people down left, right, and center. Donna, you're, you're clearly the wisdom of Solomon. Uh, you'd be much more, <laughs> much more lenient on people. Let, let's let's. There's, there's so many talking points around this tour. Potentially, one of them being, well, we already know who the winner is, which is kind of takes away the jeopardy angle. But 
despite that, there's still obviously tons and tons of things have, have, have already gone on in this tour to already make a, a absolute belter. Now, one of them from, from, from a global point of view, never mind a British point of view, is just Mark Cavendish. So Mark Cavendish's uh, equaling of Eddie Merckx's record is phenomenal. It, you know, it's up there with the, the absolute bests of any British sports person, you know, ever. You know, I, I liken it to you know, Roger Bannister, uh, you know, breaking the, the, the 200 mile and stuff. It's like, it's just amazing. A certain person might not have taken uh, Cavendish's victories quite so uh, well as that. So let me just read what Eddie Merckx actually said. And we don't know the context, or I don't know the context of, of why Eddie said this. I have interviewed Eddie. I have had dinners with Eddie. I have ridden with Eddie. He is absolutely famously grumpy. So what he said absolutely fits in to the pattern of this sounds absolutely what like what Eddie would say. But anyway, I'll read it out to you. So it is, this is Eddie. Uh, I, I think somebody asked him on, I think it was Belgian TV or Italian TV. They asked him a, a, a question about what do they think about Cavendish? And he came up with this. He said, I won 34 tour stages by winning sprints. I'm not going to do his, his accent, by the way. In the mountains, in time trials and going on the attack on the descent. Let's not forget the five yellow jerseys I've got at home. Plus the 96 days I wore it. Does that, that not seem much? Clearly he was riled. So the, the question must have uh, upset him. But do you guys not think he could have just said, Congratulations to Cav, and that's it. Just say no more. What What do you think? What d- d- does that besmirch any of his his memory, Donna? What do you What do you think about what he said? Well, I did a little research because the last couple of years have taught me that just a little blurb on Twitter isn't mm. always the right context. Really, I did not know that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I went and I found an article, and he. He did say that, but he started with, there'll be no problem if Cavendish equals my record. I won't lose any sleep over it. If he does it, Mm. I'll congratulate him because it's not easy to win 34 sprints. And then he went on to say, of course, there's a difference between us. And then the quote that you said. So in context, Mm. it's a little bit different. Um, it's still a little, (laughs) I'm not quite with you there, but anyway, carry on. (laughs) But before the race, somebody asked him, um, about Cav and the prospect of him, you know, catching the record. And he said, to be honest, I no longer believed in his comeback. Miracles can sometimes happen in cycling. I think that's such a miracle. So I don't know. I mean, could he have congratulated him a little bit more? Maybe, but that's his personality. And I don't think mm. we should be berating him too much. I think he will absolutely um, congratulate Cavendish and, and he should. And, you know, records are made to be broken, but, you know, he's quirky and that's okay. He's quirky. You, you, you're you definitely right there. And thank you for bringing some of the contacts in there, Donna. I really don't think <laughs> it absolutely exonerates him at all. But yes, thank you for, for bringing that in. Jim, with that new bit of context, does that alter maybe anything that you might have been thinking about? Or maybe you, you didn't even need that context to think what you're going to say. First of all, anyone who has three autobiographies written by the time they're age 30, I am, I think it's a little whacked out. I mean, <laughs> it just, there's just some ridiculousness going on there. The, the personality there is, interesting um and so i also think there's a difference i mean the sport has definitely evolved we now have specialists like there's no tomorrow when uh, Merckx was writing we had people who are going to win the tour and we had people who were helping him win the tour uh, we didn't have teams that showed up with just sprinters hoping to win you know races or just with mountain uh, uh riders Mm. You know, it, it's it's like everything in life. We've got it down to finite degrees. Everyone does specific things. You know, marketing now includes posting on social or yeah, and communications includes posting on social media. And, you know, obviously that didn't exist 20 years ago. And at the same time, I also think Burke's accomplishments mean a lot more. And I think because of the fact that he won races you know, the entire uh, time rather than just winning sprints. 
Um, how many times have we seen uh, Cavendish drop out of the race after winning three or four sprints, knowing he wasn't going to go to the finish or mm. he didn't feel good or, or something? How many times has he stood on the podium going, yeah, I'm the sprint winner? Um, Jim, I, mean, I, th- I, th- I think we know there's differences. You know, between what Merckx did and what Cavendish did, we, we kind of we kind of know there's that there. I'm just looking at this point of view of just yeah, we know the difference is there, but still, you would as a as a, with emotional intelligence uh, as a person, you would hold back, and you'd also with with knowing you know what how journalists are going to frame this and how they will pick out quotes, you would know to keep quiet when you you would just repeat. You'd be like a politician almost. And maybe that's maybe that's a good thing that that Merckx isn't a politician and that he's just said what he thinks. But yeah, they are journalists are going to pick that quote. They are going to zoom in on, on that bit when all he should have said was congratulations and keep his 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 thoughts maybe a bit more private. Why? So that's what I, I well. I, remember I that was agree. before though, so we don't know if he's called Cavendish. We don't know any of that. And also, so Eddie is seventy six. Mm-hmm. And me being a little philosoph- philosophical is, do you think he's trying to stay relevant? Like he doesn't want people to forget about him or forget what he did. And so that's why he was listing off his accomplishments. Or Jim, to your point, is there something going on? Three autobiographies by the time he was 30. I don't know. But, you know, at 76, maybe he feels the sport's moving on from him and he wants to be relevant for another week or so. I don't know. He will never not be relevant, though. He will always be known as the most accomplished tour rider for the for the reasons Jim said. You know, he he, he did it uh, in in in. Well, he won the race. He didn't just win win yeah. stages. And, and so we we know that. So he's absolutely going to be the pinnacle of the sport forever. So that's the difference. Everybody is jumping on Cavendish's bandwagon for what he's accomplished, and that's fantastic. But and and Cavendish himself always appreciates his team. Because it mm. takes, you know, two, three, four people to get him where he's gone. Mm. Uh, but when you look at the Tour de France and the great writers in the Tour de France, Cavendish's name is not on that list. It's the winners, the people who wear the yellow jersey on the final day that matter, not the ones who are there just to, I mean, I just don't see sprinting as any big thing. Um, Jim, you, this is sacrilege, Jim. Wow. I know. I, I, I allow your dog to bite you. There you go. Because your dog was clearly <laughs> grumbling when you, were, when you were talking about Cavendish and Merckx. I, I, I sense that your dog, Jim, was very much in Cavendish's camp. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he was, was grumbling. His, he was. He was. He was grumbling when you were talking about uh, Cavendish not being a as good as Merck's. I, I, I think your dog <laughs> knows the sport. There was another dog walking around outside. My dog has no opinions about cycling. So, but, so but, Jim, you know, you're just... more on. You more agree with Merck's comments than not. Then. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I also. I also think that a 76 year old guy who's accomplished everything he can has the right to say anything he wants as mm-hmm. well as the right for the, for the reporters and journalists to take it out of context and do what you want. Mm-hmm. But if, if, if Carlton said, Jim fly over to, to the UK, we're going to dinner with either Merckx or Cavendish. I've never met Cavendish. I have talked to Eddie Merckx a couple times. Um, I'm still going to go talk to Merckx. Um, I mean, I, I, I cannot do it. I can't do what either of those two gentlemen have done. I, and I'm not a sprinter for sure. I mean, I'm the last thing you'd ever call me as a sprinter. And, and it's amazing when he takes off. Um, it's, it's amazing how he can follow his lead out people when everyone is trying to cut him off. So right? I, I'm not taking Cavan. I'm not taking, I don't want to take anything away from Cavendish, but I think taking anything away from Merck's on what he said about it, it is, is wrong. I think that there is a big difference between winning sprinters jerseys, winning races the way Mm -hmm. Merckx did versus winning races the way Cavendish did. I think there is a colossal difference. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, all right. So Carlton, can I go back 
And Mm. this is similar topic because who's going to wear the jerseys when they get to Paris is Mm. you said the tour is already, we already know who's going to win, but do we? Because you have people with signs on the side of the road. You have people who get sick. You have people who crash. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is something my dad always said about car racing. You knew I would have to get that in there. Um, Is that there's a reason why you race the race. So, Mm. you know, Yes, it looks like it would be perpetual. So, Donna, he's got to stay upright. He's got to stay upright. So, basically, okay, barring crashes and barring being taken out by a spectator or barring, you know, Eddie Merckx leaping on and suddenly pulling (laughs) people from bikes for daring to win his race, barring that, then yes, yes, we we don't know who wins. But we do know who's going to win. If none of that happens, and yes, all of those things absolutely can happen, and we really don't want them to happen. We want this to be a pure uh, race of, of athletic absolutely. prowess. Absolutely. Yes, yes. But barring all these minuscule things that might happen, from an athletic point of view, we know who's going to win. So so that has taken the jeopardy. It was almost the first, well, I can't remember, when was the first time he was in the, you know, it was a fourth, fifth day? where he was clearly going to take that jersey to Paris if he doesn't fall off. So does that not, you know, take away a lot of the shine from this year's race, Donna? Just knowing that all we're looking out for is is falls. We're not looking for somebody really. Are we really expecting anybody to power past him in, in the Pyrenees? No. I don't think so. And I'd, I and let me make this clear because I don't want nasty grams later. I don't mm-hmm. want anything to happen to him. That's not why I said that. I just said it because you don't know. I mean, that's why you race the race, right? Um, I don't think, provided he stays upright and he stays healthy, I don't think anyone's going to catch him. Um, I think that the question, and Jim, I'd love to hear your answer for this, Uh-oh. is... Is Cavendish going to make it over the mountains? Hmm. Well, when you get the announcers, the U.S. announcers saying the cutoff time is in 40 minutes and it looks like Cavendish is going to make it, it sort of bugs me. You know, when when you have a, a domestique that's been hustling water bottles to the front hustling, you know, things around, doing a pull, you know, working hard the entire race, yeah, then the cutoff time means something because those people are already exhausted by the time, you know, they get to the base of the mountain and they still get over it. Versus the announcers are now following whether or not a sprinter or these sprinters are going to make it because... You don't see these little legs. These little legs (laughs) go... down the toy it's so hard for mark i mean he really isn't built for mountains he's not really built for this race if you if you really really be brutal he, he has got to be you know shepherded over those hills he's so a little guy your, he is so there's carlton when you're saying does it take some of the shine out of the race i think that's where the announcers and the journalists they're focusing on cavendish not necessarily mm. for the record but also for the the drama if you will mm. does, does he get over the mountain yeah. does the you know that's where the story is mm-hmm. do you think there was ever a comment do you think there was ever an issue of eddie Merckx getting over the mountains and getting in mm. be- before the cutoff time mm. so we have yeah, a, a point we have a, a person in the tour de france riding with a jersey uh, a leader's jersey not the yellow one but but a different color and we're worried about them not getting thrown out of the race. And yet at certain points in the race, we say they are the greatest rider ever because they can sprint. So are right? you all, do, does that mean you're not, you're not quite up with the fact that there are specialities? So you have sprinters and you have mountain goats and you have GC riders. Are you, are you decrying that fact? Would you rather see, uh, like the Van Oates of this world, like you know, all-rounders. Would you rather have a race of all-rounders, Jim? Yeah. It, I, I, it's not that I'd rather have a race. I just think that it makes more sense. I think we're taking a lot away from the wearer of the yellow jersey with the polka dots and the greens and whatever colors there are. 
in in these races. I'll give you a great example. Uh, who's the female? Uh, crap, my brain went dead. Female writer uh, crashed at the World Championships, but was expected to win from the United States. Um, anyway, when she won the the uh, Colorado Classic last time, she raced here. She wore every single jersey. No other mm -hmm. person was wearing a jersey. She'd won them all. That's a racer, in my opinion. She could lead in the mountains. She could do the sprints. She could win at the end, no matter what the, the course was. But Jim, isn't that also... Four days and she is, won all four jerseys. Isn't that also the beauty of the Tour de France? And, and I'm, those are the grand tours, in that you have got races within races. So if you do have somebody who's clearly dominant and, and can win at everything, and, and in effect, you don't have jeopardy after the first four days, and it's a three-week tour, at least you have these other elements. I mean, that, that's what they were designed for. You know, these jerseys were brought in to do exactly that, to have different elements to the race. You would have races within races, because we all know that the Polcott jersey tends not to be the best climber, of the genuine the best climber of, of the tour, it's going to be the person who goes out and gets the, 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 the points and then probably drops back and doesn't, you know, is at risk of being like almost like Cavendish and, and not finishing that day's stage. But that's also a plus point, isn't it? You can't just have everybody being a generalist. Otherwise, the race could be over in the first three days and it's a three-week tour. Jim? I'm, I'm thinking, um, I, I don't know when, I try to figure out when the race was over in the first three days. Uh, and Chloe uh, Daggert is the name Chloe of the Dyger. woman's racer yeah. I was thinking of. Um, I don't buy into the idea that I'm, I'm more like Donna along the line of, I think there's always a chance that the race could change. I think that is why the tour is such a fantastic race is because in, until that, you know, next to last day, whatever that race is, it can always change. Something can always go wrong. Um, mm. bikes, no matter how well they're maintained, break. Yep. And so I think that's the issue of the tour. I think that the other jerseys um, are brought on to provide entertainment to keep people interested in a three-week-long tour who may not follow all three weeks, who you know would just show up for the last day or just watch weekends. Uh, those other jerseys provide entertainment during the race are they mm -hmm. races within the race sure are they marketing issues i think they're more of that than anything else and has that then created its own um ha has the marketing created its own uh reality yeah we have bicycle racers who are on the big racers who do one thing now they ride to the end we have racers who only do one thing they ride to the top um, you know, I mean, so, so the sprint jersey used to be worn by the person who won at the end of the race. Now the sprint has now during each ride, we have sprint points mid race. We're getting a race within a race within a race. You know? So, so Jim, do you think with the different jerseys, maybe being mark more marketing and the sprinting with, you know, sprint within the race, do you think that takes away from the purest, um, the generalist, and takes away from those folks racing the race? I think or that the generalist, like a Merckx, you know, who did it all. Do you think that takes away from those guys? I don't know if it takes away as much as we have a team that knows they can't win, so they try and, and get something else. Um, I, I. The, the winner of the Tour de people, I, since I represent so many different uh, sports categories, people ask me, who are the toughest people that I know? And they talk football every single time here in the United States. And I think that's just a joke. I say that if you want to meet some of the toughest people in the world, you should find a bicycle racer and a mountaineer. Bicycle racers can do it for 21 days at all out for 21 days. And it's brutal. And a mountaineer does it for 72 hours, all out, and, you know, life is on the line. Those are the toughest people I've ever met. 
Um, and some of the nicest people I've ever met. Um, and skinniest. And uh, Yeah, and skinniest also. Um, and yet a football player who believes he's the toughest person out there, you know, not allowed to talk to. I mean, if you get, you know, they're surrounded by people. You can't get near them. Uh, I've never seen anyone, you know, who's come off Everest who didn't want to talk and would talk to anybody, the, the urchin in the street. Hey, did you know I just summoned Everest, you know? Um, and, and look at the bicycle racers. Uh, man, they're just, it's just brutal, brutal. Um, stress on your body so do i think it takes away no i think that the whole tour is the winner do i think it adds different things to look for different reasons to watch the tour yes and for that reason i think it's a beautiful and brilliant marketing idea mm. but am and I that is what the tour let's 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 not forget jim that the whole tour was founded the whole tour exists on selling you things this is why right. this this exists this is yeah. this is a marketing event you know it's not a sporting event it just so happens to have a bit of sport as an element to it yeah. it's just it's to sell you look at the teams these these are not the british team the american team the italian these are commercial teams so all these teams are trying to sell you things so we've got to sure. bear that in mind this is just just You've got to have all these changes. You've got to have like the specialities and the races within races because you want people to keep watching. And if you have a race over in the first five days, people stop watching. People stop buying the products. They no longer buy right. the tiles or the cookers, you know, the Bora cookers, all these weird and wacky products that are on the, the shirts of the, uh, the Tour de France riders. Right. You get less awareness. Your your sponsorship gets less awareness if people stop watching, um, less eyeballs. People don't come to the race. Absolutely. Really? Mm. So, I thought it was no, just bicycle. No, no TV time. <laughs> but Jim, we could have a whole philosophy, a whole talk about the toughest athletes because I would challenge, definitely not football, I would challenge hockey players. No way. 90 minutes, they're done. <laughs> No, we, well, that's not for this podcast. Maybe we'll do a different podcast. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you an easy way to think about it, Donna. You get a hockey player, put 45 pounds on their back, put another 20 pounds of clothing on them, and put five pounds on each foot and a mountaineering boot and have them hike uphill for three days. I don't know, but a lot of, I don't know about that. But I do know a lot of them cycle, especially in the mm. off season, to yeah. um, to keep in shape. And I know that some of the former pro hockey players are now taking up cycling. So and, I don't know. And, and, and I, I I think that's wonderful. But it's not it's not the ability to do it. It's the mental toughness that mm. makes the difference, in my opinion. It is the toughness to get up the next day after X hours of sleep, whatever it may be, and put on that same set of clothing and go out and do it again. And in the case of Mountaineers, knowing that if they screw up, they're dead. And they're not dead. Well, they're really in, you know. okay. Yeah, there's, there's some genuine jeopardy, isn't there? You're gonna, yeah. You fall off the mountain, yeah. you're kind of, you're dead. At this point uh, of the show, I'd like now, now to break uh, for a, for a, a commercial interlude, Shut we'll have, up. We, we'll have David, David will take us away. But when we come back, we are going to have a, a wee bit of uh, U.S. trade news, which is hot off the if these things exist anymore, hot off the press. And Jim will talk about that. And then we're going to talk about our our, our, our tour highlights, each of us. And I I've got one, and uh, I'm hoping Donna and Jim. Uh, both have a highlight uh, of, of of this year's tour. But for, for now, let's uh, go across uh, to David. Hey, Carlton, thanks so much. And it's it's always my pleasure to talk about our advertiser. This is a longtime loyal advertiser. You all know who I'm talking about. It's Jensen USA at jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. I've been telling you for years now, years that Jensen is the place where you can get a great selection of every kind of product that you need for your cycling lifestyle at amazing prices. And what really sets them apart, because of course there's lots of online retailers out there, but what really sets them apart is their 
unbelievable support. When you call and you've got a question about something, you'll end up talking to one of their gear advisors. And these are cyclists. I've been there. I've seen it. These are folks who who ride their bikes to and from work. These are folks who ride at lunch, who go out on group rides after work because they just enjoy cycling so much. Uh, and, and so you know that when you call, you'll be talking to somebody who has knowledge of the products that you're calling about. If you're looking for a new bike, whether it's a mountain bike, a road bike, a gravel bike, a fat bike, what are you looking for? Go ahead and check them out. Jensen USA, they are the place where you will find everything you need for your cycling lifestyle. It's jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. We thank them so much for their support and we thank you for supporting Jensen USA. All right, Carlton, let's get back to the show. Thanks, David. And we are back with show 277 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. We're here with, uh, with, with Donna and with Jim. And Jim, uh, whenever we, 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 we pitch these, these shows, and it's good to have you both on, by the way, uh, we say, what, what do we want to talk about? And I was all Tour de France, Tour de France, Tour de France. That's all I put down. I didn't put anything else down on the the the, the, the things to talk about. However, uh, Jim, you did give something to talk about, which which kind of like takes us back to when this first started. This particular show, it was very trade uh, orientated. So you've got some U.S. bicycle trade news you'd like to share. So go with that before we go for our our tour highlights. Well, there's. We are having another bike show, a, a commercial bike show here in the United States. Um, it's called the Big Gear Show, um, and it's going to be held in Park City, Utah, uh, 3rd, 4th, and 5th in August. Um, it's going to have more than cycling equipment there, but the majority of the exhibitors are cyclists. So it's the first Next, next year, Jim. Next year? No, no this not this year. August. This coming August. This, this year? Yeah, this year in three wow. weeks. Three, four, three That's crazy. Um, well, the show is outside. The show is um, more like Interbike Demo in that everything is outside. Okay. There's no in, indoor things. So you're going to walk from booth to booth to booth on a giant parking lot and talk to people. And in, in some of these booths, you'll be able to grab a bike and go ride it. Um, and is it Lance, Lance Kamiska? So Lance was formerly of Interbike. Then he had... Um, bike press camp and various so is, is it lance who's doing this well no lance was hired to run the cycling portion of it there was a trade show that got started uh, quick history outdoor retailer ran both inner bike and the outdoor retailer trade show outdoor retailer for everything but cycling uh they moved inner bike out of vegas the cheap easy place to have a trade show where anybody from the united states can go i hate vegas but it's cheap and it anybody can get there to uh, Reno and it died. Um, so two guys had felt that, that the paddle sports industry, which originally was a major part of outdoor retailer had been treated badly and they were correct by outdoor retailer by Nielsen at the time. And so they started up a show in Madison, Wisconsin called the paddle sports show. And it was a, a little show, but a big success. The paddle sports industry came together again. Uh, they moved it to Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, which sounds really weird, but Oklahoma has a great man-made um, uh, slalom, two slalom courses, whitewater area. Uh, it's, it's pretty neat, but it's still Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. So they then had the, the idea of not bringing in clothing manufacturers, and I'll tell you that reason in a second, and just having gear, boats, bikes, climbing gear, shoes, that type of stuff. And they moved the show to Park City, Utah. Um, Utah, wanting any trade show they can get their hands on, uh, will probably have spent a lot of money to get them there. Um, the, the reason why there's no clothing is clothing nowadays takes about 16 months to, to produce. So, so that's why Outdoor Retailer kept moving the show up to June. And yet for most retailers, you know, June's the beginning of their season, not the end. They don't know how much money they made or how much money they have to spend next year. They don't even know what was a success this year in June. They're just opening their stores and they're, and they're working hard then. So there's a real controversy because the clothing manufacturers and even the ones that are showing up already have closed their, their open to buy dates. They're, 
you know, you didn't have, if you got, didn't have your order in already, you weren't going to get your order in nowadays. So by getting rid of the clothing manufacturers, just having gear, which takes less time to produce, um, they're trying to get the show up and running. And the National Bicycle Dealer Association hopped on board. And so I'm looking forward to it. I, I know the two guys uh, who started the show. They're, they're super great individuals, uh, personal friends. And then they hired former show directors, Lance Kamiaska, um, to run the bike part. And they hired, um, oh, what's his name? Crap. I'm just going to give me so much grief. Um, Kenji. Kenji Hartunian to yeah. run the outdoor part. So people that that ran both shows for a long period of time and people have a great relationship with. Uh, the, the best show directors of both shows, the best people with the best personality, the best people who understood what's going on are, are mm. hired to run these shows. So and we'll Kenji see. and Lance are, are big friends. I've, 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 I've uh, been with them when they've both been in the same place. They're, they're big yeah. friends. Oh, very um, is there a website? Is there a website for this, Jim? Uh, yes, there is. Hold on, I'll find it for you. The Big Gear. Well, you, we can, we can. Com. Okay. The Big Gear Show.com. But so, Jim, as I was looking at it this morning, I looked, there's like 42 exhibitors, um, you know, everything from Camelback to a kayak company, Adidas, Sterling Rope, which surprised me because um, I thought they were just for arborists, but they do. Um, they do other rope as well. Uh, Troy Lee Designs, which is motocross. So, where are the bike companies, though? Um, well, Diamondback. Diamondback. There. Diamondback. Uh, let's see who else. I have no idea right now. I never even looked. Sterling Rope started out as a rock climbing rope. Uh, wow, you're right. It's not a, Troy Lee Designs. Wow, yeah, motocross. Fitness. I have not looked at who's there yet. Fat Chance Bicycles. Interesting. Um, it looks so like it's, it's mostly it's paddle okay. sports still. I think that they would struggle this year to get bike companies in because bike companies don't need the extra business right now. They well, are run off also, their feet. Are people, are people doing trade shows mm. this year? Um, because I do know from my road racing that uh, a lot of the companies have decided not to do um, expos and things like that through the end of this year. So mm. I wonder if that's some of it. I realize it's outdoors, Jim, but I wonder if that's some of it as well. Um, but they've got a full, I mean, I was looking, I was quite impressed. They have all these educational set sessions and networking time set up. I mean, it's a, it's a big show for, I don't, you know, if Carlton, you hadn't heard it was this year and, you know, are they really promoting it or is it kind of a test year? Well, they, they also have a different model. <clears throat> which is extremely interesting. They will put, if you are a retailer, they put you up. Um, mm. And in some cases they fly you in. Uh, oh. so, yeah. They have a very different model about how they put on the shows. Um, it's, the, it's the bike, bike press camp model. So you, you get the key people in, you put them in a nice ski chalet in a nice mountain resort in the summer, and then you sell them stuff. Right. Although they brought, they had this model. Uh, I don't know if they'd ever been to the bike press camp or not, but they had created this model prior to bringing Lance on. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know what's going on. I know Oklahoma City when they just had paddle sports was working, but it was people just weren't happy going to Oklahoma City. Although the demo was awesome because it was so conf confined and the, but there was so much stuff you could do, you could do. Um, I also think that Park City is a problem. Uh, getting to Salt Lake is is a slight pain for most people, and then you got to get a shuttle or rent a car or whatever and try and get to Park City. It's uh, forty minutes though, Jim. That's 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 incredibly doable. Yeah, and and now it tops. Yeah, but it's still. People, people want to land and in ten minutes be in their hotel room, and you know, go out to have a good dinner. And whenever there's a new show, everyone's trying to figure out. I, I got invited to dinners, and all the dinners are back in Salt Lake City because people who know Salt Lake City from the outdoor re retailer trade show. Um, oh, then these guys should never try and go to Eurobike. <laughs> 
Well, you, and you can't get there. Yeah, it's <laughs> you're right, and it's going to be confusing. I I wish them all the luck in the world. I'm going. I'm going to support them. But like I said, you might not have heard about it because their motto is they only care about retailers and they only really mm -hmm. care about small right. retailers. That's it. They they can care less. They they came from the paddle sports industry, so I think there's something going on there. And there's a lot of paddle sports mm -hmm. companies here. Um, mm -hmm. They have a you you can demo the mountain, the road, and you can take your boat over to the lake and and demo it there. So it's an it is, a, it is a fabulous place to have a trade show. I know that for a fact, and David would know that for a fact because he lives there. He moved there. Yeah. yeah. So we know it's a fantastic place for uh, for outdoor sports. Let's get back to the the main premise of the show, Jim. So thank you ever so much for 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 bringing that to our, our attention. I certainly wasn't aware of it, Jim. But let's go back to uh, Tour de France. And I will start. So so hopefully you've got your anecdotes uh, ready of what your highlights of the tour. Now, I'm going to be slightly left field and and say my highlight hasn't has been Tour de France connected, but isn't absolutely Tour de France because it'd be too, too obvious for me to talk about Mark Cavendish, which has been uh, phenomenal. But I know I'll get shot down in flames from Jim if I, if I mention Mark. He's clearly not a champion. <laughs> anyway, um, my highlight would actually be at, at, at Lachlan, Lachlan Morton. So Aussie Pro doing this thing called the Alt Tour. So he was in Andorra yesterday. The pros are now, they've gone through into Andorra today. So he, I think he's left now. So he's basically a few steps ahead of them, riding the whole tour by himself, bikepacking as well. So totally self-supported. And he's also, which is the the amazing thing, especially in this heat dollar, is he's riding between all the, the connection points as well. So he's got to be a few days ahead of the pros because he's riding the whole lot. When the pros are getting in their air-conditioned um, coaches and, and, and driving off, or sometimes they go, they fly, He's going to be riding the whole thing. So if you haven't been following what uh, Lachlan Morton has been doing, and he has been doing an amazing, I know EF Racing and Cannondale who, and, and Rafa who are supporting him, they're getting huge coverage compared to the coverage they're getting for the, from the EF Racing team who are racing in the Tour de France. So they've, they've created this, this, this almost this event that's getting almost as much coverage as the Tour de France itself. It's, it's just truly amazing. But I, that's my personal highlight, partly because it's my son's personal highlight, because Lachlan Morton is one of his heroes. So my son is a big, big long distance cycle tourist, and he's been really inspired uh, by Lachlan and what he's doing. And the videos are fantastic. If you haven't watched them, go and catch them up. So Donna, what's, what's your highlight of this year's tour? Well, oh, doggy. Um, well, that's your answer, doggy. Where where do you see a doggy? <laughs> no, I'm hearing Jim's dog. Um, but also, what Lachlan is doing is he is he's riding for the World Bike Relief, and they have mm, raised good point. Yes, I should have mentioned that for mm. for two thousand five hundred and fifty seven bikes. Yes, yes. So another another day. reason to think it's amazing. Yes, 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 yeah, yes. it's amazing. And people mm. are coming out and um, they're cheering him on as well. He's getting a lot of mm. good press and he's riding 12 hours a day. That's mm. just in the heat. But um, so that mm. is an absolute great highlight. Um, but mine and Jim, please don't hate me and don't stick your dog on me. <laughs> um, is there it's Cavendish, but it's the moments away from the race. So um, that, the genuine emotion from him as he mm. as he wins a stage, the genuine joy from his team. Um, you know, it's not another ho hum. It's the emotion that they all have because sometimes, you know, you see people that win a lot and they're like, "Yep, there's another one." He's not like that. Um, also, that Picacha realized the the significance of all of this and gave Cavendish his yellow jersey from that day. And then Cav gave him a green jersey, but still the <laughs> respect, but the respect mm -hmm. there. Um, and then I also just loved as a dad the other day when Cavendish set the record, they were saying, oh, your son will love this. And he said, mm -hmm. well, I have four children. And he said, but one, yes, my, my one child is very into cycling, but I have four it's, children. It's Casper, and, his little boy Casper. Yeah. Casper, yeah. 
Um, so those are the moments that I'm enjoying is actually mm. seeing the, the human, the human side. Um, and then of course, Matteo Vanderpool dedicating his stage win to his grandfather was just mm. really mm. nice too. Mm. That was wonderful. Jim, Jim, your highlights. And quite different also. Um, I am sort of amazed at the number of different countries that are represented in the tour this year. Um, I know that sounds a little different, but the tour used to be all European. Um, mm -hmm. Then it branched out a little bit into um, the, the stands, as people say, and Russia and Colombia. And, and if you look at the tour roster this year, there are people from every continent except Antarctica. And there are people um, from countries that had never been in the tour before and, and they're not making anything out of it. I think it's finally pretty neat that the tour really represents most of the world. Um, and, and then my big thing, of course, is Lachlan. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and and talk about a personality. If I, I guarantee you, if a little kid runs out on the road and sees Lachlan riding past and cheers him on, Lachlan's going to stop and say hi and talk to the kid. Um, mm -hmm. He lives here, trains here a lot. And, and so you'll hear somebody say, yeah, and I got passed by Lachlan the other day. He said, hi, I was doing a good job. And, and I talked to him for a minute while he slowed down to ride with me because I was talking to him. Um, and then at the oh, same sweet. time, he goes out and does, he's just horrific climbs here. I mean, uh, you know, he'll, he'll ride 10 hours up and down the mountains here. Um, mm. he's, he's a really a nice guy, uh, besides just, a, an unbelievable ability to just get on the bike and stay on the bike and keep hauling butt. So, uh, personality wise, he's just, there's none better. Because, uh, you know, we've all dealt with these exotic personalities that, that you know, ride in the tour. Uh, although I saw a couple, you know, I, I ran into a couple pros lately that have been really nice to talk to. So anyway, um, yeah, the, the, the vast number of different countries represented individually by uh, the tour is pretty interesting this year. And, and Lachlan's uh, personal tour, I think, is it's extremely exciting and need, none of us ever came up with the idea that there's something going on in the race that was that exciting this year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, Donna and Jim, thank you ever so much uh, for giving us those highlights and for being on today's show. We have been recording for just a few seconds under an hour, so we will uh, cut it there because we have got to go and I haven't, I don't actually know the results of today's stage and 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 i know who was roughly out ahead but i don't actually have to finish i don't want anybody to tell me either no don't tell uh, don't Jim. tell i have no, no, no idea no. but i oh I good good i'd love to get in here carlton go what so the boy scouts of america at their 3800 camp just south east of denver starting mm. memorial day 2022 are going to be putting on a five race three-day consumer expo Stay tuned. It's going to be something big. It's going to be something exciting. Uh, we had a gravel bike race there, 129-mile gravel bike race, uh, four and a half hours of the winter. Uh, people loved it, so we're going to blow this up and make it a big cycling event. There are courses for downhill courses, beginner courses, mountain bike, gravel, and cross courses, and we're going to have a road race. Or road ride. And there's ride. You, you have a website? There's a website for that already, Jim, or it, not? The decision was made a couple of days ago. We don't even have a name yet, let alone a website. Oh, okay. When we get it, just put it on your calendar. Something to do Memorial Day weekend. Okay. Stay, what, what day is that? I, I have no idea when that is, Jim. It's the end of May. May okay. oh, 31st. Uh, yeah, it's 27, 28, 29, 30 of May, 2022. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, well, Jim, carry on going and uh, give us your your website details, how people can get in touch with you. Uh, Recreation-law.com uh, is my website uh, or jim at rec-law.us or just Google Recreation Law and you'll find me. 
Excellent. And Donna, wrap up the show for us by telling us how people can get in touch with you, Donna. This has been so much fun. I'm so glad we did this. Um, Twitter and Instagram, just at Donna Tosi. You can find me both places. Wonderful. Do you want to spell that? T-O-C-C-I, yeah? That's it. That's the one. Wonderful. Well, Jim and Donna, yeah, I, I agree with you, Donna. It's been a blast. Thank you yeah. very much for, for taking the time of not watching the tour. Although you did say you watch in the evening, didn't you, before the I show do. started? So I do, yeah. But you, you don't want any spoilers, definitely. So I won't spoil it because <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but thank you to you both uh, for being on today's show. And thanks to the listeners uh, for, for being with us to, to listen to you. And thank you for David for giving us that ad break. He is currently actually sheltering from uh, the, the heat wave by climbing up into the mountains near his home so thoughts and prayers to anybody who is suffering that heat including i'm coming full circle here including the riders in the tour de france and maybe they will have to change um the timings for that so thank you ever so much you two and we will speak again thanks to donna toshi there and to jim moss baking or being soaking wet in america and it was Donna being uh, rained upon and uh, Jim baking. But thanks uh, to you also for listening to the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. Show notes and more, as always, can be found on the-spokesmen.com. It's only one more week of the Tour de France, so I'm sure you'll be listening and watching that, and hopefully we'll get the crew, the Spokesman crew, together again. But meanwhile, get out there and ride. Ride.